I could play that one the rest of the day, I think. Um, well, I'm back. Uh, <laughs> I guess y'all didn't get the message since y'all, y'all are here. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about, uh, do I need to back up or anything? You got it? Okay. We're going to talk about relationships and the title is hashtag, you got to put the hashtag in there, relationship goals. No particular reason this hashtag, I guys figured, why not, right? Um, but before I get started, I want to I wanna kind of share something that happened this week, and I'm going to have to stand up, I can't sit. Uh, I always get a little nervous when I share parts of my story, and uh, I think that's only normal, but what I get nervous about is you know, I've, I've done a lot of stupid things in my past, and I'm always nervous that I'm going to be judged for them, that you might judge me for, for what I've done, and maybe, you'll, maybe you're going to judge my wife for, for staying with me or judge my, my children just for being a part of my story. But this week, I was with my granddad all week, sitting with him, and uh, these thoughts are kind of going through my head as I'm preparing for this. And I was on my way to the post office, and... It's the Lord just said, he said, uh, your testimony shows just how big and just how good I am. And when he said that, it just it settled my nerves uh, at the time. They're not really settled right now. But, but it calmed me down because it put it into perspective because it's not about me. It's not about what I've done. It's not about what I'm doing. It's not about what I'm going to do. It's not about you. It's not what you think about me or my past or my present or my future. It's about what God thinks about me. It's about what God's done in my past. It's what he's doing in my present and what he's, what he's going to do in my future. And so when I put it in that perspective, I really don't care what you think, just to be honest. You know, because it doesn't matter. It doesn't have any bearing on my relationship with him if I don't allow it to. So I wanted to kind of get that out of the way. But uh, so we're talking about relationships. And I want to start with the relationship that was formed on the road to Emmaus in Luke uh, uh, chapter 24. And so to kind of give you some context, uh, I'm sure you probably heard this story about uh, Jesus and meeting the strangers on the road to Emmaus, but the day before Jesus was crucified, okay, the Mary and the other ladies, they went to the tomb to put spices on his body, and he was gone. And they went and found the 11 apostles and some other people and told them they didn't believe them. They didn't believe the women, right? Typical men, okay? They, so they went on. These two guys are walking. They're walking to Emmaus. They're kind of sad, downtrodden. And somebody shows up, and we'll start here in uh, verse 13. It says, And behold, two of them were going that way that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were conversing with each other about all these things which had taken place. And it came about that while they were conversing and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing them. Okay, so I want to look. These two guys are just walking along, not expecting anything, and just talking about like what had happened the day before. And uh, Jesus showed up. They didn't know it was Jesus. Okay, he had he had prevented them from recognizing him. And, and for me, and you know, I'm, I'm not a theologian or. Uh, pastor or anything but uh, uh, for me in my mind I think of it as one of these undercover boss stories like you see on TV 
I think he's going in there. He doesn't want them to know who he is because he wants to get their reaction. He wants to get their un, unadulterated reaction to what's going on. What are they feeling? And so he doesn't let them recognize him. And they, you know, between these verses here, he's like, what's wrong with you guys? Why are you so upset? upset? And they're like, what rock have you been living under? You know, they just crucified Jesus. Everything's over. Everything's done. And he's like, why are you being so foolish? You know, the, the prophecy says this is the prophecy. And, you know, and so he's talking about scripture with them. And we pick back up in verse 28. And it says, they approached the village to which they were going. Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked to him on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And I want to kind of relate this uh, to the fill-in-the-blank number one. And it's, it's about how Jesus reveals himself in our relationships. They didn't have a relationship with Jesus for probably more than a couple hours. They were just walking home. But they, they invited Jesus in. They talked to him. They conversed with him. They talked about scripture together. They brought him in. They broke bread with him. And he revealed himself to them. And they looked back at this short relationship, and they could see Jesus all throughout it. Okay? They could see him from the very beginning, and they realized, we're, you know, our hearts were on fire when he was speaking. And, and I have that same feeling when, I'm, when I get quiet and I pray and I listen, and I can feel God speak to me. I can, it's not heartburn. It's, 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 it's the spirit. You know, it's, I just feel it right here, and it's so strong. And it's, Jesus is in every relationship we have. We have. There's lots of levels of relationships. You've got... A relationship with your coworkers, your spouse, your children, people at church, and they all have different levels of intimacy, and some are good, some are bad. But if you look at all of them, you can probably find Jesus in it somewhere. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about some relationships that I've had Jesus in. <laughs> um, <laughs> hush tape. I hear him back here laughing. But uh, so I want to get into this. And uh, just tell you, just share with you for a second on a story. I was married in 2007, uh, October 20th, 2007. It's 24 years old. Uh, nine months earlier, on January the 9th, 2007, I was arrested. And I want you to keep this January 9th thing kind of in mind here because there's a pattern. So I was arrested. I won't go into what for it because it doesn't really matter. If you want to know, I'll gladly tell you afterwards. But I was arrested. Uh, then I was married in October. Then four months later, on January the 9th, 2008, my father passed away. It was sudden. He was 52 years old. Uh, I had to make a lot of the decisions uh, about his care, and he was uh, unresponsive. So, you know, DNRs, all these decisions that... Uh, I really shouldn't have had to make, but I had to make them. And then, so if you've heard me speak before, you've heard me talk about, you know, struggles with pornography, so I'm struggling with that at the same time. There's things in my life that I haven't told my wife about uh, in my past, things I haven't told anyone about because I didn't even know how to process them myself. So a lot of things going on in my young mind and, uh, you know, just immature and everything else. And we've been coming to North Point for a little while. My wife, she said, uh, 
they're starting a small group for married couples, and I want to join it. And I did not want to do it. I was like, no, because I could come to church. I could come in here with all of you and blend in and not be seen and not have to, to talk about me, and I could leave out the back. But now we're talking about putting me in a room, a small room with 10 or 12 people, and I'm going to have to get to know people. And my wife will tell you I've got some antisocial tendencies, and uh, I kind of have problems with people in general, I guess. But, you know, I'm trying to work on that. But I didn't want to join, but we joined because that's what you do when you're married. You do what your wife wants to do, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, and, and, you know, and it's, I'm thankful for her because she's, you know, she's wise. And God gives us a spouse to, to be our companion and to help lead with us. And I'm thankful for her when I'm at my immature moments, she steps up and she, does, she makes the right decision for us sometimes. And I'm thankful for that. But we joined and uh, it was the best thing that ever happened to, to us. But we made relationships during that. And shortly after we joined, like I told you, January 9, 2007, I was arrested. January 9, 2008, my dad passed away. January 9, 2009, had a court date. Okay? There's a pattern here. January 9th is not my day. Uh, and Sheila will tell you, I struggled with that day for a while. Uh, I didn't even want to get out of bed for a couple of years after that on that day. It, but, so I'm... I'm sitting in a courtroom with my wife beside me. I'm scared. I'm ashamed. I don't belong here. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not this person that did this. I just made a bad decision. But I feel so much shame and guilt. And I want to back up because I forgot part of the story. I knew I'd do that. <laughs> uh, before we joined this small group, like I told you, I didn't want to. And I don't, I'm not proud of what I'm about to say because it was very immature of me at the time. But the excuse that I gave my wife of why I didn't want to join was this. I said, I don't want to join that small group because the husband of the wife, uh, the husband that's going to teach in this group is why he prays too long. I've heard the guy pray in the nine o'clock service. He prays too long. I, I can't handle it, right? That was my excuse. That was the only straw that I had to hold on to. And I mean, that's just stupid. But that's where I was. That's where I was in my walk. Uh, because I, I knew I needed it, but I didn't know how to get it. And I was, I was scared of what it would do to me if I had it. And so that was my excuse. So fast forward January 9, 2009. I'm sitting in a courtroom, scared to death. Even though my wife and my mother are there, I feel alone just because you just, it's really, you just feel small. But as I'm sitting there, the man whose prayers I had ignored and scoffed at walks to the door and sits down right beside me. And he was unashamed. He didn't judge me. He just showed up and he loved me for who I was. He didn't judge me for the act. He saw my heart. And he didn't have to do anything. Now, you know he said something because he's Derek and he was there. But... He showed up, and by showing up and just being there for me and knowing the man that he is, he modeled the love of Christ for me in a way that I hadn't had it modeled before. And it was just, uh, 
it, it, broke, it started breaking down walls of unworthiness, walls of shame, and it didn't break them down immediately. Uh, it's taken years, but I believe that that was one of the first blows that really made an impact and showed me that how, how God loves me. He doesn't judge me. He doesn't, he doesn't, he's not ashamed of me. He loves me no matter what I do. It doesn't mean he's happy with what I'm doing, but he never stops loving me. And it was just really important to my walk. And, you know, I'm still kicking those walls down now, but they're a whole lot smaller than they ever were. So thank you, Derek. Thank you for that. But so as you can imagine, I was arrested. Uh, I was arrested because I wasn't hanging around the right people. Okay. That brings us to Proverbs 13, 20. And it says, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. Well, I've suffered a lot of harm in my life. And uh, some of you know that because y'all were the ones that were running around with me back when I was suffering that harm. And that's okay because we're all here now, okay, and we're trying to be better. But it's the truth, okay? I, if you remember me speaking back in November, I talked about how I, I didn't feel worthy, I didn't feel loved, I didn't feel seen, and these things may or may not have been the reality, but I didn't feel that. I felt that way, but I didn't realize that I was seen and I was loved and I was worthy from my, my father above. But I didn't, hadn't had that relationship yet, so I was seeking it out from the people around me. I was, you know, acting stupid and just trying to be funny to get people's approval and to get them to like me and uh, get attention. And then as I got older, I started getting jobs and having money, so I would buy things to try to impress people, to, to try to make people think, oh, he's got this, he's got that. And I was just fulfilling my needs, only my needs. I wasn't thinking about what God wanted for me because I hadn't had that relationship. But as I got around people who showed me that, like Derek, and it's important to come here and listen to people speak because you can get wisdom from that. But if somebody comes and sits down beside you and shows you that love, it's much more relatable. And so as I got that, I began to mature in my walk. And I'm not completely mature because I still have those tendencies that I had 20 years ago and I still want to do those things, but I have a wife now who helps keep me in check. I have accountability partners who help keep me in check. And I'm thankful for that because I want to be better. I want to be better for God. I want to be better for them. And so as my walk and my maturity grew with Jesus, my obedience changed. And my obedience changed from being obedient to myself and what my desires were and being obedient to what the Father had planned for me and what his design was for me. And when that changed, it showed what my, where my heart was. It showed where I, what I really loved. And so number two is our patterns of obedience reveal what we really love. And I want you to think about that and this week maybe step back and apply that to your life and think about what am I obedient to? Am I obedient to what people think about me? Am I obedient to my job? Uh, am I obedient to myself, basically? Am I doing what I want to do that fulfills what my heart wants? Because if you, if you read in the Word, it says the heart is deceitful, and above all things, who can understand it? We, we can't always follow our heart. We have to follow Jesus, and he'll fill our heart with what his desires are for our life. So I want you to think about that this week. And it, I've thought about it a lot, and it helps put you into perspective of what's going on. 
So I want to go to the most important relationship of all, and that's the one with our Father. And I'm going through this a pretty good time. Uh, there's a word that gets used in church a lot, and I'm talking, I've used it a million times in my prayer life. You hear people say it all the time, and you hear it go like this, God, please use me to do your will. God, please use me to do your work. Oh, God used him to do a mighty thing. He's really changing lives. There's nothing wrong with that, that word used. There's nothing wrong with the, 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 the heart behind it. But what I want to do today is challenge you to think of maybe some different verbiage you could use that will maybe change the way you view God and your relationship with him. So I was listening to uh, a testimony from William Paul Young. He's the author of The Shack. It's a great book. If you haven't read it, I recommend you do. Uh, don't do it like a lot of people and think it's the Bible. It's, it's not. But it's a book, and it, it can give you some insight onto some stuff. I think it's a great story. But he's got an amazing testimony. And while he's talking, he says this. He says, God does not use us. God invites us into a relationship of participation with him. And that's, that was profound to me when I heard that. Because, you know, we're not hammers. We're not tools that God uses to accomplish his purpose, to, to go out and drive his point home. Because if that were the case, we wouldn't be in here. We wouldn't live in a broken world. We, we would be just, it would just be boring, right? God invites us into a relationship of participation with him. And hearing that, it just, it clicked with me. Maybe you think, you know, God doesn't use Jim to deliver a message up here on Sundays. Jim chooses to participate in God's story for his life. And therefore, he submits and he studies and he prays and he brings that to us, okay? And we all have gifts. We all have talents. I heard Adam North say one time, he said, Michael Jackson was not supposed to be the biggest pop star in the world. He was supposed to be the biggest worship leader. God gave him those talents to use for his glory, but the, work, the world, the fallen world we live in, we, we do things for ourselves a lot of times. And so... I want you to think about your relationship and how it looks and what it can look like if you would submit yourself to Christ and, and enter that relationship with him. Because, you know, the word used in the, in the context of a relationship, it, it has some negative connotations because some of us have been in relationships where we've been used. And that's not a good thing. And so we, as humans, what we do is we take that that word used in those, those other relationships and we put that on the face of God and the relationship we have with him. And we don't need to do that. So I want to challenge you to rethink the way you phrase stuff and the words you say because the word has the power of life and death and, and we want to make sure that what we say speaks life into us and not life into others. So Jim had talked about something a couple of months ago that kind of ties in with this and it clicked with me, and he talked about a yoke, not an egg yolk, but a yoke. And it was, it was simple, and for y'all, it probably was just another sermon. But for me, it was like, wow, I'm an idiot. I never even, like, got this, okay? It just didn't make sense to me. So Sue's going to put the first picture up here, and uh, 
So you got right here, you got a you got an ox, right? He's got a yoke around his neck. The yoke's got him attached to the wagon so he can pull it. This is how I viewed my relationship with, with Jesus. Okay? I'm the ox, I'm the big dumb ox up here looking off, staring, not knowing what to do. And you got three people on a wagon. Okay, these three people in my mind represented God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Okay. And for me, I thought, well, I'm I've got this yoke on me now, and I've got to do the work. I've got to I gotta know where to go, I gotta figure this out. And they're just sitting back there looking like, well, what's he gonna do? What's what's he what's going on? And that's how I saw it. I, I was lost. I didn't, I didn't feel like I had a purpose. I feel like I didn't have direction. And I didn't know because I wasn't participating in a relationship with Jesus like I, like I should have been. So in the second picture, this, after Jim talked about being yoked with Jesus, like it talks about in Matthew, um, it says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So all Jim had to say was double yoke, and it was like, duh, right? I was thinking a single, didn't realize that, I knew there was a double, but it didn't, it didn't enter my mind. So it talked about how we're to be yoked with him. And when you see this, it, like I said earlier, I'm not a theologian. This, this is not, I'm not saying Jesus is an ox, okay? But what I, I want to get across this picture in my mind, and so now you've got me, and then there's Jesus right beside me, okay? And we're in the mud, and we're doing work together because we have, we have work to do, and we're yoked together. We have a relationship. You can't be that close to somebody and not have a relationship with them, good or bad. But if you're talking to them and you're conversing with them, and like Jesus opened in the scriptures, we become in such a relationship that we don't have... We, we know what the other needs and we know that what we're supposed to be doing we know the goal we have to accomplish so the way my crazy brain sees this picture here you got me and jesus up here in the front ready to do work okay and i want to say this about jesus he's not scared to get in the mud he's not scared to get dirty he went to hell on the second day after he was crucified and he, he set the captives free and he took the keys to hell and told the told satan See you later, okay? He's not scared. He's not afraid to do work. So we're up here in the mud accomplishing work. Back here in the back, you got the guy. He's got his hand on the, on the plow. He's not controlling it. He's, just, he's just, just holding it, holding it steady. To me, that's God. He's got his hand on our situation. He's, he's directing us. He's, he's guiding us. He's not controlling us because that's not what God does. God doesn't control us, but he's... he's helping us out as we go he's giving us direction then you got that little lady in the back with her little bag of seeds to me that's the holy spirit okay she's back there planting the seeds me and jesus are up front doing the work fulfilling the great commission going out spreading the word plowing up the ground god's showing us the direction he wants us to go the holy spirit's back there planting the seeds so that way that that love can be planted and it can be harvested for generations to come, I hope. I believe that, you know, I may never see the fruits of any of my labor while I'm here, but I know that I'm changing my legacy for my children and my grandchildren and so on, and I hope that I'm changing the, uh, just my community and my church. But that, to me, is the picture I have now just from Jim saying double yoke. And 
you know, I, I mean, it just, as simple as it is, that's, that's what my relationship with, with Jesus looks like now as opposed to before when I thought I had to do the work and I had to be the one putting in the labor. I don't. He's right there with me. He can walk through my past. He can, he can help me work through these issues I have and we can go out and accomplish the work that he has for the kingdom. So I don't have a whole lot left, but I want to talk about uh, one more thing before I get done. And I want to talk about small groups. And I have the microphone and I have the stage. So Jim's not here to tell me I've only got two minutes. So I'm <laughs> going to talk about this. So small groups have changed my life and my marriage. They've saved my marriage. They've saved my life because if I wasn't married, I'd, I'd be doing something stupid and I'd probably be dead by now. And that's just the, the fact of it. But we always talk about how important small groups are in this church. And I want to ask anybody that's been in a small group with me, I want you, I'd like for you to stand up. Whether it's Every Man a Warrior, a marriage small group, or whatever, I'd like for you to stand up right now. And I want, I want everybody to look at these people and see that I have these people to account, depend on and to lean on and go to. Every one of these people know my story. They know how screwed up I am, but they also love me for who I am. Y'all can sit now. That's fine. Thank you. But if you don't have, and I'm talking, I'm not talking about a, hey, how you doing on the street. I'm talking about a deep love, a deep relationship with, and it didn't, it didn't build like that, but it was something I was willing to do and something I knew I needed to do. And if you don't have that, I encourage you to get that. But what we run into a lot in this church is, oh, well, you know, all the small groups are full and we need leaders. But, you know, nobody wants to lead a small group because they're scared of it. It's intimidating. But what I want to say is you don't have to be Billy Graham. You don't have to be a theologian to lead a small group. You got to have, you got to have uh, a beating heart, some lungs, and you got to have a pointer finger to push a button on a DVD player, okay? That's all it takes because it's not, a, it's not about you. It's about getting together and having community. You can do it here at this church. We've got rooms all over this place all week long that you can come to and have a small group. You can do it at your house if you're willing to open up your house to people. But what I want to say is if you want to be in a small group and there's not one available, come see me or come see Sheila Bagley up front because what I want to make available to you is if you want to be in a small group and you want to facilitate one, I'm not going to say lead, I'm going to say facilitate. If you want to open up your home or be willing to come up here for people to come meet, see us. We will give you all the materials you need. You tell us what you're wanting to do a study on, we'll, we'll give you ideas, we'll give you stuff. Sheila's been doing small groups for a long time, okay? And she's wonderful with it. I've been doing them for a long time. I'll help you any way I can. We've got other people that will help you any way you can. We'll give you materials. We'll, we'll sit down with you. We'll talk about it. We'll train you. And if you're still not comfortable, we can find somebody that will come to your small group for one or two weeks and help get you settled in. Now, we're not going to be there for six months. We can't commit like that. We've got small groups we're in and things we're doing. But we want to make it to as easy as possible for you because this is so important. It is life-changing. It will change your, your marriage your relationships with people, your walk with Christ, it, it just, it'll change everything. And anybody who's been in a small group can tell you that. 
So if you want to be in a small group, you're willing to step out and push that button on that DVD player, come see me, come see Sheila, and we will do anything we can to help get you into that position. That's all I got for small groups. They're important. But I'm done. I'm doing really well on time. Uh, not near as long as last time. I thought we had kid stuff today. Angela told me it was kid stuff, so I kind of didn't go too long. But as I'm closing here, I want to I ask you about your relationships. And I want to ask you about your relationship with Jesus. And I want to ask you what it looks like. Does it look like what, what I thought mine was? Does it look like you're trying to do all the work? Does it look like that uh, you're, not, you're not speaking and, and reading God's word? Because in order to be in a relationship, you have to, you have to communicate, okay? If you're married, you know this, okay? If you don't communicate, the relationship doesn't work. If Tate and Mike and the rest of the members and I aren't communicating up here, this is going to sound like jazz and not like it does now, okay? We have to be in communication in relationships. So are you communicating with Jesus? Are you praying? Are you reading your scripture? Are you doing devotionals? Are you being quiet and listening and to hear what he has for you and the purpose and direction he has on your life? And if, if, you, don't, if you don't even have that relationship then, and you feel like God is leading you to that, then I invite you today, this altar's open. If you want to come pray, you want somebody to pray with you, we're here. If you have that relationship, if you've got that first step in that of being saved, then I, I invite you to apply these, this verbiage. Where, where's your obedience lie? What's your relationship look like? Put that on your life and, and look at it and examine areas that you can be better and how you can grow with Jesus. So as y'all come on up, uh, I just want to invite you to do that. Uh, if you need to come down here and pray, then please do that. We're here for you, whatever you need. I thank y'all for taking time today to listen to me. I hope it was coherent. <laughs> but uh, I want to pray real quick, and then we'll get started. Dear God, we just love you. We thank you for everything that you're doing. Lord, I thank you for the, the, the way you have blessed my life and for the gifts you've given me that I can use to glorify you, God. I thank you for the people that showed up today. And Lord, I pray that just one person uh, maybe got something from this. And Lord, if not, I thank you for what you gave me through it and preparing, God, because it's just, uh, it's always great to, to study and, and get to know you better, God. I thank you for everything. I thank you for this church. I thank you for the elders, and I thank you for just what you're doing, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.